After again defying calls to resign, correspondent Vicki Barker from London. Boris Johnson's latest explanation that he didn't know he was breaking his own lockdown rules by attending an outdoor cocktail party isn't going down too well in Parliament. When a Prime Minister is spending his time trying to convince the great British public that he's actually stupid rather than dishonest, isn't it time that he goes? S&P futures up 21. This is CBS News. There's always something new under the sun. CBS Mornings, weekdays on CBS. Yes, Ms. Tubbs. Uh, no problem. I'll call someone about the plumbing. One of Beatrice's properties needs a new superintendent. Custodial team is not someone with handyman superpowers and a concierge alter ego. Does anyone know any good electricians near Parkville? Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. I'm speaking to Mark Stieber with Jackson Hewitt. When should taxpayers work with a tax pro? Picking a personal tax professional to help you do your taxes is a very important decision each and every year. It's important to know that your pro knows about things on your tax return. Got married, got divorced, new children adopted or fostered or had one, buying or selling a home, retiring, going to college. All those have big impact on your tax return, and you should probably get a pro to help you. For more information on your taxes, your largest single financial transaction, visit jacksonhewitt.com. A new study shows women are behind on diagnostic tests. CBS's Natalie Rockham. Fewer women are being screened for cervical cancer in the U.S., and certain minorities, along with low-income patients, are least likely to be checked. A study from the University of Texas found that screening rates are lowest among Asian and Hispanic women, along with women who live in rural areas, don't have insurance, or identify as LGBTQ. The most common reason women gave for not being screened was was a lack of knowledge about the recommendations. Bono says he's embarrassed by the sound of his own music. The singer tells Hollywood Reporter's Awards Chatter podcast he turns scarlet when he's in the car and a U2 song comes on the radio. The one thing he can listen to is Sarajevo with Luciano Pavarotti. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. This is important news. If you have unfiled tax returns, the IRS is shifting gears and ramping up investigations on non-filers this year. If you fail to file your tax returns for a year or more or you owe back taxes, now's the time to call Optima Tax Relief before the IRS finds you. Optima is America's number one most trusted tax resolution firm specialized in helping individuals, families, and businesses get right with the IRS. They're experts in the Taxpayer Relief Initiative, a powerful new program that can make resolving tax issues easier. A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, Optima's award-winning team has helped thousands of people protect their paychecks, bank accounts, homes, and businesses by putting their tax problems to rest, resolving over $1 billion in tax debts for their clients. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-343-6460. 800-343-6460. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Pidcock Glass is your go-to option for every glass need you can think of. Located in Nelsonville, Pidcock Glass specializes in residential homes and businesses with screening services, insulated units, mirrors, tabletops, as well as glass and window replacements too. Pidcock Glass professionals have over 100 years of combined experience and offer you the best options available to suit your needs in the Hawking Hills, Athens, Logan, and Hawking area. For more information, visit their website, pidcockglass.com. At Pizza Cottage, they always use the finest ingredients, treat their customers and employees like family, and always give back to the community. From pizzas to subs, wings to pasta, they have everything for your family to enjoy. You can also book their party rooms and their food trip. Pizza Cottage has a new location at 951 East State Street for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery through door. So visit them today or visit their website, www.pizza-cottage.com. 
Since 1972, Danderman Electric has been providing professional solutions at fair prices. Whether it is dedicating a line for your computer, running all new electric lines, installing new lighting, air services, ductwork for distributing the best heating and cooling throughout your home, or complete HVAC system installations for the home or office, Danderman Electric can hook you up. Consider a backup generator for those untimely Southeast Ohio power outages. Call Danderman Electric, 740-593-8813. That's Danderman Electric, 740-593-8813. Have you heard of Project RISE? Are you a parent in Athens, Meigs, Perry, or Vinton counties? We provide internships, job shadowing, work study, transition planning, and graduation coaching. All students and parents have free access to these resources. For more information, please find us on Facebook at AMESC Project RISE. There are numerous free events and resources that you need to know about. Act now. Project RISE will help you with your future after high school. Follow us on Facebook at AMESC Project Rise. Hey, it's Boots. We'll talk about restoring a classic car and we'll be fools with some power tools. That's Auto Smarts Friday afternoon at 106 on 970 WATH and 97.1 FM. Hi, I'm Kim. And this is Ruth. Please join us every Wednesday morning on 970 WATH to make it happen. It's the Kim and Ruth Show. Well, it's not, it's the, not Kim the Kim and Ruth, Ruth Show. show. It's really... <laughs> Tune in to Make It Happen with Kim and Ruth every Wednesday morning at 10.06. And we'll spend time talking about health and wellness topics. And all aspects of healthy living. But we know that you're the real expert in your health, so let us help you make it happen. Wednesday morning on 970 WATH to make it happen. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH Wow, look at that sunshine out there. 34 degrees. Headed up to 47, they say. But there's still talk of weather coming. Oh, well. What it is, it is. Hey, we got a special edition today. Fire Chief Bob Reimer is with us. We're going to talk about an event tonight. And of course, other things too. And uh, Bob Reimer, good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Welcome. Yeah, I'm always good, man. Always good. And, uh, you know, you've been the chief now for almost eight years, right? Whew. Eight going on 40. And, <laughs> and you had uh, 16, almost 17 years before that uh, as a lieutenant here. So um, I, I think you've become an Athenian through and through, you know? Oh, yes, sir. They, I they, think I've spent more time I, here than home. It takes, uh, <laughs> what, what's the word, Scott? It takes uh, 18 years before you're considered an Athenian? Something like that. I don't know. Anyway, Welcome. Listen, um, um, tonight, there's an event at the community center, and it's from 6 to 9 p.m., and um, is it down in the, the, lo- the large room? On yes. The room yeah, far room to A. The, yeah, room all the way. If you're facing the community center, it's the one all the way on the, the right. Yes, sir. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, uh, the purpose of this event is? The purpose of the event is to get the input from the public and to give information to the public about the design of a replacement fire headquarters. As you know, as you may have been watching the news and the city council meetings that uh, uh, we are going to have on the ballot uh, in May uh, a request for a tax increase of 0.1% in order for public safety capital expenditures. Now, this won't be for more personnel. This will just be the main objective, is to replace fire headquarters, which is built in 65, and as we're currently putting more repairs to it to try and keep it standing. It's, it's, it's outgrown its usefulness. So this meeting is to uh, inform the public and receive information from the public about the design. Now, we have two stations now. 
There's one, uh, what you call the headquarters, and that's the one that's uh, in question at this point. It's just up the road from us at 61 Columbus Road. And then, of course, we all know there's a second station over on Richland Avenue. Correct. Now, years ago, I'm trying to think of who appointed me to this. can't remember if it was Rick Abel or Sarah Hendricker or what, but there was a committee that was put together uh, to review... You know, was the fire department, were there any needs that they had and so on and so forth? Is it running at its optimum and, and so on? And out of that committee, I remember uh, a lot of discussion about the need for a third station. And most of them uh, felt it should be located, oh, I'm going to say, somewhere near the ODOT headquarters. The old headquarters where Applebee's is now? No. Uh, it was to be where ODOT is now, okay. or in that vicinity. Or the 68256 yes. intersection. Yeah. And you know the uh, housing, um, uh, they built the homes. Uh, Dick Connard built that subdivision up the hill. Mm -hmm. And, and um, when you think about response times to the various parts of the city, they thought... Something out there uh, was needed. Even though our response times aren't too bad. You know, the insurance companies say they're not bad. Um, and then, you know, that committee had made a bunch of suggestions, and, and um, a lot of them just, uh, I can't remember, I think I could probably find my old files and remember what some of them were besides that. But um, I have a copy in the office if you can't find it. The committee, okay, cool. The committee um, eventually thought they had done as much as they could do and ceased to exist. So, um, Station One, I always liked it. And we had some of our meetings right in there uh, of that committee. Um, what is it that um, I, I know that? Concrete pillars and things like that can um, weaken and uh, that sort of thing. But I've also had people say they can be repaired. What's what's your uh, cons you know what have the experts told you about Station One? Well, we had an engineer. Uh, we've actually done quite a bit of work to it since 2005. So since 2005, when we began our first major uh, rehab or repairs to it, uh, since that time, we've put in with this year's project approximately $560,000 to keep it standing. Okay. Uh, the first, uh, first thing we found was an issue was because it was built on two-by-two two stilts, uh, it was built for 1965 size fire trucks, which are much smaller than what we have today. We have many more vehicles, more storage, more equipment. Uh, and as the trucks were pulling out, it was tilting the station back away from the road. So they had put in some what we call shear walls or some support walls in between those pillars and beefed up many of those pillars in order to keep the station from racking any further and tilting backwards. That worked. Uh, then we ended up having to, the station was going downward uh, as, as far as movement was. Uh, so they had gone in and they put in some steel I-beams throughout there, basically underneath of where the, the tire tracks are in each bay. Um, sure. On the underside of it, we have steel I-beams that are kind of supporting and holding up the concrete. Uh, and, and the last engineer that came in and took a look at it, basically they did a report, looked at it, said, Here, here's repairs that you need to do. This is no longer conducive for a fire station for what you're using it for now. Uh, you need to find a place for the next two to three years um, because this, you just can't use it anymore. It's, we've put a lot of money, like I said, over 560000 into it just to keep it standing. And as we did the presentation for city council, it showed here's the trucks that we had the day we moved in. 
here's the trucks that we have today mm -hmm. uh, here's the equipment all the extra services that we're providing so it's looking for a place hopefully on on flat ground and not on stilts is the plan so we don't have to worry about that in the future uh, station two built well it could use some uh, some remodeling and rehab to bring it up to par as far as uh, cancer awareness and things that are, are recommended now but uh, structurally it's a sound station so we we've done some cosmetic stuff to it uh, HVAC things of that nature but it's it's doing well now um, at least when this committee that I was on years ago met were meeting they thought the location of Station 1 was important. Now, if Station 2 is built, I'm sorry, Station, if the new building, uh, do you have any hunch where it should be located? As of now, we're looking at the end of Stimson. Um, Let me think. Across, uh, oh, okay. across from, from Sonic, somewhere in that area, yeah. more centralized to where we're still um, in good response time to our largest infrastructure. As you know, with ISO ratings, we are graded upon our response time, as you had mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. especially to our largest infrastructure, which is east end of town, the commercial district, and Ohio University, which 40% of our calls are to Ohio University campus. So to put it somewhere in that general area that shouldn't affect too much our response time, possibly improve on some areas, especially on the East Commercial District. But, of course, it'll increase response times to your station, this area. Mm. So that would help out. Uh, the best thing would be have, as you said, three to four stations throughout the city located in different areas to where we have better response times. As of now, that, that's just not affordable. Um, so the best thing we need to do is replace headquarters and try and get that as a more centralized area, especially if you're looking at the end of Stimson. And I know we have concerns about the, the floodway that we'd have to build up to get it out of that, as we have the community center and many of the other businesses down in that area. Yep. Um, but it also keeps us right near the, the highway interchange. We can jump on the highway and Rock Riffle sure. and 50 or 32, and you're heading to East End, the West End, uh, back to the North End, straight uptown on Stimson, the new Stimson project. Well, um, so that's, that's the, uh, at this point, that's the, uh, what they think is the best site for such a place. And it's flat, right? It is. In fact, um, you know, some... There's been ad hoc soccer games down there mm -hmm. and other things like that. In fact, I think years ago there was a proposal to build a senior um, senior housing down there. And Correct. That, that mm -hmm. fell through for whatever reason. Anyway, so tonight there's, um, I'm going to call it an open house. It's from 6 to 9 at the Athens Community Center. And, um, you know, most of us have heard about this idea. And this is a way for you to go and see pictures and uh, chat with different experts and, uh, who are familiar with this situation of Station One's um, um, ailments, I'll call it that. And... Um, And learn, because at some point, I guess this goes to the public for a vote, right? Correct. Now, are we talking about, let's see here, where are we? This is, um, we're in January. I, I had to think for a minute. That's funny. Um, so elections are often in the spring and then the fall. When is this election supposed to be? I believe it'll be the first Tuesday in May. Okay, so the spring election. Um, and then people will say yes or no to a 0.1% income tax increase. Okay. And just for curiosity, because I, I should know this stuff, but I don't. Our current city income tax is what? 0.1%. 
Mm-hmm. So this would take it to 1.95. Correct. Okay. Now, um, just for kicks, let me ask. Um, Station One, as it exists right now, if you were to um, put it into top structural condition so that there wouldn't be so much concern about the trucks and the weight and all of that, the cost to do so might be what? Uh, I couldn't even... No one's put a number to that. Uh, You're looking at support structure. It would basically have to have full support underneath of it. Like I said, it's suspended. It's on stilts. So full Mm -hmm. support underneath of it to keep it from moving any further. Uh, And it's not just the structural side of it. We're looking at health concerns. Uh, We still have our gear in the bay. A lot of the NFPA standards that we should be meeting as far as cancer prevention because firefighters are twice as likely to get many of these cancers as most people are uh, due to what they've been exposed to. So getting the simple things as far as having a designated bunker gear room that we could keep our bunker gear in so it's not off-gassing into the living areas or absorbing diesel fumes from the trucks because it's out in the bay currently. Exercise fitness facilities. Right now, as far as decon, when we have our filthy gear after a fire, we have to carry it through our living quarters, downstairs to our washer-dryer area, Mm -hmm. our decon area, into our also exercise room slash supply room slash fire prevention room and workshop, and that's where we do our our gear cleaning. Uh, there's just there's so many other things. It's got still has single pane windows in the downstairs, and little by little, we've you know the upstairs has been improved. We've replaced windows and HVAC and put quite a bit of money into it to to try and bring it up to standards. Uh, there's other things that could be done though to make it more uh, environmentally friendly, uh, economical. There's there's a uh, question I wrote down here when I was thinking of this. Uh, last night as I was preparing for this and uh, it's under the category of equipment if you were to add something that you don't presently have what would it be now uh, I guess I was thinking more of the stuff you use to fight a fire but I guess now you're you're opening up a whole bunch of stuff I hadn't thought about. So decontamination things. Mm-hmm. Um, does Station Two have that? No, it does not. We have to do everything at headquarters. Okay. Um, so there there are some things that have come along over the years. Yes. Since 19... When, when, when did we build uh, Station 1? Station 1 was 65. We 65. moved in in July of 66. Okay. Uh, got, Station 2 was 68. I got here in 73. Um, so some um, decontamination stuff. Um, and a thought of that uh, if you've just come from an event... You shouldn't have to walk through clean areas mm-hmm. to go to a space to get it decontaminated. Um, those are all things I'd never thought about, you know? And we didn't for years. We didn't think about all of the, until, I'm going to say six, seven years ago, mm-hmm. we still kept our bunker gear at the end of our bed. I'm sure you've seen it for years and years where firefighters kept their boots inside of their pants at the end of their bed off-gassing all the carcinogens that have been absorbed into it over the over run after run or whatever else is there and it just constantly sat there even when you're off duty it sat there until you came back to duty so we moved it out of the the bunk room moved it out into the bay now we put it out in the bay where the diesel fumes from the truck as they pull in and out they would absorb into that well we were able to get a grant we got diesel exhaust emissions so it would it take away the diesel uh, fumes as we're driving out of the station but there's always still some residual uh, backing into the station there's still a little bit 
Um, but it's not as bad as what it used to be. It is much better than what it was. But in new station designs, and you may see it this this uh, presentation is you know they have hot zones, warm zone, cold zone. You have actually you you keep your gear into a designated shelter, a room that is sealed. It has a negative pressure to it. That way, when you open up the door, it exhausts out whatever's coming off of that gear and sends it outside. Uh, it can also be doubled up as a storm shelter if we had to use it. Uh, one thing we don't have at this station or either station um, but it, it does have the ability yeah, well, uh, with a storm shelter for the public you mean maybe for the the personnel working in there oh okay. so if you look at the new EMS station when they build it they have a room about the size of this this room here yep. that is their storm fallout shelter in case a tornado goes through that's something that's required in, in new buildings now so hmm. um, well it's that's um, Let's review the basics. Uh, right. When you've been in here before, uh, we've gone over these numbers, but, um, um, you know, the odds are that we have some different listeners today. So um, the fire department, Athens City Fire Department. Um, how many, how large is the staff? A full staff, a full complement is 22 personnel. But we are down. I have one that's deployed right now for uh, the Army National Guard. Mm -hmm. We have one open position we're trying to fill. I have one that's on uh, probation, still going through his training. Okay. So I guess it would put us down to 19. Um, to give you an idea, night we, we did a throwback picture in 1971. They were standing around the net. If you walk in the station, you'll see it. We have that same net. We did a, a, uh, a throwback picture picture the same thing same number of guys as it was in 1971 22 personnel then now uh, in any given moment the typical shift on duty would be what our minimum staffing is four two at headquarters two at station two um now um a typical shift um is it 24 on 48 off i yes. don't know i'm just making things up here nope that's 24 48 Oh, it really is. Okay. Mm -hmm. They come in at 7 in the morning, they leave 7 the next morning, and then they're off for two days. So they work 48 hours a week before they're eligible for any overtime. So that's basically, and they work all holidays. So it's 2,496 hours a year where you and I, uh, or the normal 40-hour person, is working 2,080, and we get our holidays off. Boy, I wish I were a normal 40-hour. <laughs> so do I. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, now... Uh, everybody is always on call unless they're on vacation and traveling. Yeah. Um, so, because obviously, if a typical shift is four, four people can't cover too much. <laughs> so, um, they basically can get on site with the equipment. More equipment may be needed, but you also have to have people engaged in fighting the fire. Mm -hmm. So, um, when there is uh, an incident, um, are people great about rolling in? We get a decent turnout. Not, does everybody come in? No. It depends, as you said, are they on vacation? Or are they uh, busy doing something else? Are they in Columbus shopping? Now everybody sits around the house waiting all day for a call to come yeah, in. Some may have a not. second job, which they try and leave. Um, but we, we get, I'm going to say probably on average, 12 firefighters total. Which brings you up to a 16th. No, no, no. That's including the four that's oh, on I duty. See. Okay, so you, you add eight. Okay. Typically. Okay. Um... <clears throat> How do you communicate with people? Does everybody have a pager, or do they use their cell phones, or do they have what? Well, well, how, how do you make sure everybody knows there's an event taking place? Everybody has a pager. Now, it's assuming that the pager picks up where they are. Uh, these pagers, of course, won't pick up in Columbus, uh, but everybody has a pager. We do a page from from 911. We do a page from the station, so it's hitting off. Uh, the towers throughout the county. Um, then they also have a text string. We'll have firefighters that will 
text the other firefighter saying, hey, we have an all call here. We also have a program called Active 911. And that's for all county departments. The central will send out what they call an active notice and said, you have a fire alarm at such and such, or you have a fire and it'll say in here, all call report to. So th there's three different methods. Just phone and pagers is our number one communication. Now, um, I, I read this sentence earlier. <clears throat> if you were to add something you don't presently have, what would it be? Now, I, I was thinking primarily of, I don't know, some sort of, truck or firefighting device um not necessarily a building or personnel mm -hmm. um is there anything that uh, is out there that uh, you just think is important to the department but we don't have well you already said other than building and more personnel uh we do well on equipment i mean we've been very fortunate as far as the city being able to supply us with funds to get capital equipment we now have a thermal imaging camera on every engine and uh and the tower truck i mean before those those costs were well through the roof now thermal do that again thermal imaging camera that's what we use to look through the smoke to search for people in the dark to search for people in the smoking environment it's, it gives off a heat signature okay so that that helps out quite a bit. and to find fire inside of the walls or you can walk around a building and locate and see where the fire is inside the building now, is that on a, like a, a little laptop or something? No, no. It's laptop. an actual handheld camera. It's a fairly large camera, okay. but they carry it on their gear with them. Uh, usually the officer will throw it into the gear with him, and along with the radio and an axe and whatever else they have to carry. It's another asset, something that we, you know, it's they've had it around for years. I still have the original one, which is probably twice the size of your thermos there very <laughs> heavy but it's broken you can't fix it anymore so but yeah. then you're looking at fifteen twenty thousand dollars for those and now they're down to anywhere between two thousand and five thousand dollars depending on the style that you get so mm -hmm. we've been fortunate enough to be able to to get equipment to where we need it um so how many of those are needed by a two-station department present one well, each or it would be best to have one for each team especially a team that's going inside so you send in a minimum of a team of two so at least that one team one could be on the nozzle or one could have the the camera mm -hmm. it depends on your setup and, and how you're doing things one if one's available the officer on the outside could be looking for fire extension things of that nature we use them on car accidents we just used one uh a few weeks ago, we had a car accident, possible person that was ejected from the vehicle. So they used the cameras at nighttime to scan around the area to see if anybody was laying out in the median or out in the woods somewhere. Does the body heat would show up an image? Yes. Okay. Wow. Well, so, it, but, you know, I, what's important to me is that you don't have a big, huge item that uh, you wish you had. It sounds to me like you feel your department is pretty well equipped. Equipment-wise, yes. I think we're doing fairly well for, for what we do. Uh, there's always a need to continually replace equipment. Uh, we have to replace a minimum of five sets of fire gear a year. That cost gone up for just coat and pant now is $3,200. Another $300 for a helmet, $300 for boots. You're, you're looking at close to $4,500 for a full set of turnout gear. I'll be darned. I had no idea. And they should be replaced how often? Every 10 years. Okay. Unless there's damage to them, and of course, sooner. Mm. Now, um, so let's see here. You know, in the military, you have um, lieutenants and captains and um, enlisted guys and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, at a fire department, you also have some titles. Uh, you are the chief. Mm -hmm. um, I, I remember, oh, I shouldn't have started this. I can't remember the name. Earl Gooden. Mm -hmm. Just got it. I, I was a captain, as I recall. Um, and then you have some lieutenants. In fact, you yourself was a held the post of a lieutenant, right? Correct. For um, quite a long time. 
Now, <clears throat> how do people um, rise to those positions? Uh, first, the availability has to, to come up. Uh, like you said, I was a lieutenant for 17 years. Uh, so the next available opportunity is when, well, I think I had one at 14 years, but you're looking at 17 years for the next available opportunity. And then I was hoping to go to captain, which would have been the next step. Uh, none of the captains wanted to go to the chief's position, so then it had gone down to lieutenants. Mm. Uh, with Chief Troxel, he was a firefighter at the time, so it went from captain. It was supposed to go to lieutenants next, but then it had gone to firefighters because at that time they had gotten rid of the lieutenants. That was during the 86 era, if you remember correctly. Yes. Um, so then it went down to firefighter. Um, so then, and then it's just a matter of you know, preparing for the test, doing the assessment, and, uh, written style tests, and evaluations, things of that nature, and then promoting. Are there agencies that come in and grade you or inspect your department and say, you guys are doing great, or here's an area you need to improve? Um, I know insurance agencies, mm -hmm. you know, your the, the, the fees you pay for your home insurance and so on, uh, they have certain scales they that are published about different locations and their fire fighting capabilities are ranked. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so so tell us about some of these things that uh, judge how good a department you are and how often they do it and that sort of thing. Well, the, the most important one, I think, as you had mentioned, as far as insurance, uh, the ISO ratings, Insurance Services Organization, um, they come in every five years to every department in the United States, and they do a grading on, as you had talked about, response time, uh, training, pre-plans. As you saw as I came in today, I started sketching down your floor plan here, which we're doing pre-plans of all the businesses uh, throughout the, the city, and those have to be done. Uh, inspections. We have 900 businesses that are supposed to be inspected uh, every year. Um, hydrant testing. We have 835 hydrants that are supposed to be tested every year, minimum of once every five years. So if you split the 835 hydrants up, divide that by five, you know, and then three shifts. So how many hydrants do you do a year? How many pre-plans do you do a year? How many inspections are you doing? Um, training, how much training you have to keep up with a minimum of 16 hours training uh, just for basic fire operations. Then you have officer training and hazmat training and driver training and all those you get graded on training grounds. Uh, we were fortunate enough in 2015 when we had our, our first grading after I had taken over. They said, well, you get no training credit for training grounds because you don't have a minimum of two acres, a three-story training tower, and a burn room that you can do live fire training in at least three to four times a year. We'd gone around. I'd talked to uh, TS Tech, was, had donated some land to us. We were able to put the EMS station there. That's still our goal is to get a training center out there. That's not just for us. It'll be for the county, for the region, uh, to do technical rescue training and basic fire training, something that a now, lot of the communities don't have. Yeah, we, we, we talked about that in previous shows. Mm -hmm. Um you're saying that has partially gotten started or is it done? It has partially gotten started. We've we started with the infrastructure. We've gotten some, some water out there. We're putting in base road. We put in uh, a little pad out there with just some millings that we could do extrication on. We started the design phase of it, uh, trying to work with the state to see if we can come up with some type of funding and looking for grants to see if we can come up with some type of funding that we could build a facility out there that we can do some basic fire training, some technical rescue training. Um, it would it be possible 10 years from now to, since we were to have that site, put a station out there. As you had said, 96, 97, they had recommended a, another station out near ODOT, just down the road. I don't know what year it was, but it was... That one there, I believe, was 96, 97. We had Fitzpatrick and Associates do a, an assessment. Yes, same, a lot of the same thing. They had recommended three stations at that time, 10 minimum staffing, and then a four station by 2005. Well, so if, if um, so the voters need to um, make the thought, to, to understand all of this, 
and then make it their own personal decision. Uh, and that'll be done in May. Now, if the voters approve it, there would be then architects and all that stuff involved in and site selection, which looks like you kind of have a good handle on it, and it's already city-owned, I think. Uh, that is perfect. That that particular parcel there is university-owned. Okay, owned. well, that can be worked out. And, um, okay, so then if four or five years, uh, four or five, t 20 or 25 years ago, there was discussion about having a third, possibly even a fourth station, Mm-hmm. Um, you'd still have just two. What? What? Um, how do you? How do you approach all of that? Uh, or, or, or do you think those two will now be adequate for the time being? Uh, but we still need to have three or four stations. Uh, but as of right now, the most feasible solution is to replace, and the the most dire need yeah. is to replace fire headquarters. Gotcha. Uh, what will happen as far as fund generation over the next 20 years? That all depends on, on what's produced by the levy, what's available uh, as far as the, the economy, um, okay. and, and what's needed in the future. Now, um, to become a fireman, what does one go through? For Athens, yep. uh, all you need is to be 18-year-old. Uh, graduate, driver's license, and then we send you to the training. So for your probationary year, you're going through what we call the Fire 2 program, uh, which is now, I believe it's 10 weeks, so about 400 hours. Then you go through your Fire Inspector course, which is another two and a half weeks. You're going through your Rope Operations course, which is about another three to five days. Uh, then it's, a, it's uh, what you're learning about the city. You know, they have to know all the university buildings, all the streets, mm -hmm. uh, major businesses, fire lanes, all the equipment, how to use it. Uh, they get a test at the end of the year, you know, at the end of their year probation to see if they've learned all this stuff. Because you got to understand, it's, it's not, we're not fortunate enough to be like other departments where they have four to five people in a truck. And as soon as you come out of the academy, you have your fire too, and you're ready to drag hose and uh, to go with the crew. This one other person has to be with the other, you know, the officer or whoever's in charge. They have to drive the truck and set up the truck and fight the fire and put up the ladders and know where they're going. Um, so it's, it's quite a bit that you have to know. Bob, let me interrupt just for a minute. I think we have a caller. Good morning. Good morning. What's the chances of the university kicking some money in on this? Um, I'll, I'll, um, thanks for your call. We'll try to answer it. Okay. 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 Um, let's see. I'll let them go. Um, does the, um, you know, does the mayor go to, um, the president of the university and say, can we get some support or, well, you know, how does that happen? Well, and they have in the past since I want to say 2012, when we purchased our, our, our ladder truck, uh, we'd entered into an MOU with the university, and they have donated $50,000 a year since then towards a purchase of fire trucks. It was originally just for the tower truck for, for five years. Uh, after that, they went ahead and renewed it for the purchase of another truck. So you're looking at 50000 a year for the purchase of, of trucks. I understand that the university... Is, they're the largest, to my understanding, they're the largest employer in the city. Oh, duh. So yeah. if this is an income tax, is the city or the university employees as well as city employees and whoever else is working across the street, they're all going to be chipping in to, to pay for this. Mm. Um, and as far as, it, I cannot speak for the administration, they're working with the university as far as acquiring the land. So if Right. I, I could not tell you if the university were to donate the land, what's the value of the land? So what is their yeah. their position on, on putting into this? But the, I'm sure the question will be raised. So um, it sounds like all parties are aware of that. Um, let's see here. When you were a kid, 
<laughs> what did you want to be when you grew up? I had no idea. I wanted to be everything. Yeah. I wanted to be Indiana Jones when I was growing up. Cool. Um, there were so many different things. Yeah. When I started here, I was going. I was in pre-med to go to school to be a, a cardiologist, carry on the, the family tradition of being a doctor. And then, like I said, I got uh, got into firefighting and never looked back. Uh, it was, it was uh, they say, bit by the bug. Uh, got into my first fire, the adrenaline rush. It mm. was awesome dealing with the the public and the people i love that portion of it uh especially teaching little kids fire safety stuff so there were so many different things that i wanted to do when i was a kid you know i wanted to be a uh when i was in high school wanted to be a pilot for the navy you know they won't let you fly 40 million dollar jets if you have 2250 vision can you believe that um yes actually (laughs) um but you were a combat engineer. Yes. And uh, Marine Corps, right? Yes, but all you need is a heartbeat, really, to get in there. It didn't have to be a good heartbeat. but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were a platoon commander, even, and involved in, um, well, a combat engineer. Mm-hmm. So uh, even there's some construction uh, skills there, you know? Construction skills. It was mostly demolition, yeah. minefields, um, C4, things of that nature. But in order to know how to destroy something, you also have to know how it was built. Correct. Or whatever you do to it may not be effective. Well, let's see here. So um, let me scan down here. You had uh, just over six years in the service, right? Yes. Cool. All right. Well, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if this is a question or not but my guess is you've been confronted with some very horrific scenes and yes. um, you know those are things that um, I put in the category I'll never forget seeing this or seeing that and I have a couple in my memory um, without without names and things like that. Talk about a few that have really touched you. Uh, I remember when I first started as a volunteer, uh, head-on collision and involved uh, an infant passing Mm. from getting hit by a drunk driver. That was probably one of the first ones I remember. And then the other was the uh, double fatality we had May 19, 2001 on High Street. And pulling them out of there so mm-hmm. those are the two i remember most there's a lot of them out there it, it just seems to blur together over time but those are probably the two most significant that i remember it takes a special type of person and a personality i guess in order to deal with that um now back in those days we had a squad um since then um you know, we now have um, Athens County EMS. Yes, mm-hmm. and 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 so that no longer falls directly under the um, fire chief's uh, responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still are involved in assisting the squad. And the squad's job is to try to take care of the patient and then transport them once they're freed from uh, whatever they're trapped in. Um, But the fire department has the job of getting them extricated or whatever that term is. Um, Pretty difficult, isn't it? Pretty difficult to go through. Well, um, okay. So tonight, from 6 to 9, are we calling it an open house? Uh, yeah, that's what I would label it as. It's a design charrette. Charrette? Charrette, I believe, is, is I, what it was on the flyer that I, we had put out. I don't know uh, that term. I did not either. So so define it, a charrette. Uh, it's not so much as a... I, I couldn't tell you if this is so much of an open forum to where we're going to be asking everybody to 
going around the room and asking everybody for their, their input. They'll be designed, set up, and this is what we're looking at. Here's the issues that we have now to give the education, to have them have the ability to put in input. We, we sort of did the same thing to my understanding with the, uh, the West Union Street project, which is supposed to start this year, where the public were able to come in, hey, I like this, I'd like to see this, put things on their little note cards, hey, give me a little bit more education about this. Why are you wanting this? Why is this needed? And we'll have that information there, be able to answer questions. Uh, is this something the mayor has organized, or is this, or did, well, just answer that. Now, this is just the, the administration overall. Okay. It's been put on myself. I've been given the responsibility to work with the architects that we've already hired to, to start the design phase and, and research phase. Uh, the architects will be there also with their what they have so far. Uh, again, we'll have another one. Uh, I'm projecting end of March, April. Uh, to my guess would be a more finalized plan of, hey, here's what you told us back in January. Here's what we've done as far as research with other stations. Here's what we've asked the firefighters. What do you need in this new station? And everything we've put together. Uh, I think one of the most important things to understand is, especially where we're looking at putting it, there's there's been some, some concerns about, you know, it's in the floodway. Um, it's it's uh, it's going to take up all the green space. It's I think people really need to come and see it. We're not looking at taking up the whole field if, if it goes in that location. Uh, we're looking at taking up the whole place. We're wanting to make this more community-oriented so it's more of an asset to the community. Mm -hmm. uh, I know there's been some concerns of being in that particular neighborhood. There'd be a lot of noise and driving through the neighborhood. Uh, that's, that's not happening. Uh, we already, one of our main fire lanes, especially the campus, is Stimson Avenue. We try not to drive through congested neighborhoods if we don't have to, simply because of children can run out in the street anywhere. There's a lot of cars parked along the road, so we have designated fire lanes. We try and avoid tight-knit neighborhoods uh, unless we have to respond particularly to that area. Do you see our fire trucks driving past your place all the time responding on calls? On Grand Park Boulevard? No. Yeah, yeah. unless we have something around that area. Of course. We're on East State Street. We're on the main fire lanes. We don't drive through Grand Park to get to. Well, unless you have. To. Unless we absolutely have yeah. to. And um, there's very few incidents there. Now, um, but, you know, you're not the only guys with sirens. No. Uh, you know, the squads have sirens, of course, the police and so on. So, um, you know, it's very... We hear sirens periodically, and we listen to sort of get an idea of where they're headed and where they, if they stop nearby, because we're concerned about neighbors. You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, when we were before the show started at um, an hour ago, um, you were in the hall and you were sketching something, and I wasn't paying a great deal of attention. I thought you were sort of going to draw me a rough floor plan you know, of what you wanted this next building to look like. And yet while, we re while we've been doing this show, I reached over and took a peek at it, and it's in fact the floor plan of the radio station out here on Columbus Road. And so it never occurred to me, but now you're going to take that back and put it in some place where it's accessible to all the firefighters. And um, that way, if they have to respond to an incident out here, they know the configuration, right? Correct. And as I talked earlier, we have the active 911 dispatch uh, program. Yeah. That goes into that system. So every truck has a an iPad on it with that program to it. So it'll say, you have a res uh, what's your address here? 300. Okay, Columbus so you Road. have a... You have a call to 300 Columbus Road. It'll route to show us how to get there by Google. It's not yep. always the way we go. Yep. Um, you have a, This is how you get there, and it'll have all the information we hit on that little icon. It'll pull up and say, here's your floor plans, here's your gas shutoff, here's your water shutoff, here's what the type of occupancy, how it's built, and that lets us know at 2 o'clock in the morning how we can search and get in here and knock down the fire and, and cause as least damage as possible. I think we have one more caller. Good morning. Good morning few questions this is a bad weather day that we're at a level two i believe or were 
there may be some people not able to make it tonight. Is there an alternate night you're going to have this again or something? He said that uh, they're going to do it again in a couple uh, months. And uh, there's a car truck and a station down there on East State Street and one of those things not too far away from uh, Super America. Oh, that's the plane. Oh, wait. Richland. That's the Richland Area Volunteer Fire Department. They have a, a building there. So whenever they need someone down there, they they move that truck out of there. That's huh? right. And and doesn't every bar station have a dog? Do you guys have a dog? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I never thought of that. No, we do not have a dog at okay. this time. Uh, Dalmatian would be nice. It would. <laughs> anyway, thanks a lot. It's been you, an excellent show. And Thank you. And I'm glad. Uh, where, where's the place? That the university is thinking of giving you land. It's okay, so you know where the Sonic is restaurant. Uh, oh, 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 yeah, right there. At and the, there's a roundabout there. Yeah, that's just a good an place. opposite uh, to the Sonic on the roundabout. And, and I see people working on the other side of the river there. What what is all that? Well, that's the people that did uh, um, the Stimson rehab. Stimson project. rehab, yeah. Oh, that's a temporary thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're great, about to be great done. Great show. Thank you. you. Okay. Um, let's see here. A minute or so. Um, what have I failed to bring up that you think I should have? I can't think of anything. I think we've covered it. We did a lot of rehashing over certain things. We're, we, I, I would hope to think that, especially with this, uh, with the new location of the station, it might help out our response times to the uh, to some of the more important infrastructure that mm-hmm. may help out having a, a training portion inside of that may also uh, assist us and then what we've been doing uh, the guys have been putting forth a lot of work uh, I know if you came by and took a look at the station and I've heard it many times for many people that have come that how clean the station is and how it really on the inside it really doesn't look like it needs to be replaced but those guys are, there's there's really no downtime they're either training or they're out doing inspections or they're doing hydrants or they're responding to calls when i started in 93 we had a little over 350 calls in 2019 pre-covid we had almost 1100 calls um and, and so they're painting the station they're they're constantly doing the floors a place you could eat off the floors a place looks immaculate well once again, folks, 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock tonight at the Athens Community Center. Uh, I'm going to call it an open house, not a, a sh- what was it? Design charrette. Charrette. I don't, Let's I can't look that do up that. when we're done. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> but anyway, um, come on by and learn, okay? Because in uh, May, you're going to be asked to um, consider um, a modest increase to make it happen. And then there will be another one as the date gets closer. Thank you. Thank you so much. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H, FM's. CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. The Biden administration is making a new move today to slow down Omicron-fueled COVID cases. CBS's Stacey Lynn is in Washington. 400 million N95 masks will be distributed in the coming weeks at thousands of local pharmacies and community health centers nationwide. As COVID cases continue to surge across the country, many hope this will help slow it down. Janice Marin works in the healthcare industry in the Washington, D.C. area. Having access to these free N95 masks are going to be game-changing. 
Yesterday, the White House announced free COVID testing kits for people who sign up online. New 5G internet is here, and airlines are warning delays and cancellations could be imminent. Correspondent Chris Van Cleve is at the airport in Denver. Even one senior FAA official told me they expect there to be some, quote, bumps today and in the days ahead. And where I think you'll see this play out most clearly, the next time there's a big severe weather event like a big winter storm, airlines are going to be forced to cancel flights earlier and likely cancel flights for a longer period of time. Aviation industry experts say the new technology could interfere with systems that help pilots land in bad weather. A legal agreement in a large-scale sex assault lawsuit. CBS's Jim Crisula. The University of Michigan has agreed to a nearly $500 million settlement with hundreds of people who say they were sexually assaulted by a former sports doctor at the school. More than 1,000 will share in the settlement. Dr. Robert Anderson died in 2008 after working at the school from 1966 until he retired in 2003. New York State's top prosecutors going after former President Trump's businesses again. CBS's Anne-Marie Green. Attorney General Letitia James accused the Trump organization of allegedly misrepresenting the value of its properties and golf clubs to acquire loans and tax breaks. James has filed court papers requesting Donald Trump Jr. and his sister Ivanka be questioned under oath. Secretary of State Blinken is meeting with government officials in Ukraine today discussing Russian advances. Defense Minister Oleski Reznikov. I hope they will 